lovely to speak to you, Gaplak of the oh, Toad Kingdom. Well, thank you. I'm off to return to my pond. Good day, sir. Could you tell Matt to come in on your way out? Please, come on, Fatman. <laughs> Does he think that's your name? It's a rude fucking frog. That's what I'm telling you. It's weird that he tells you to leave the room whenever he comes in. Well... But... I think it's just... I think it's a height thing. It's an alpha male thing. Yeah, he, it's, 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 he's got... It's a little man syndrome. Yeah, he can smell an alpha. Which yeah. is why he's comfortable with you. Oh. You beta cook soy boy. I am an SJ <laughs> with you beta cook soy boy. <laughs> I'm also Chris Johnson. Hi, Ooh. how you doing? I'm joined on my right in the audio realm by... Flesh. <laughs> by Matt, the alpha of alphas. Watson. <laughs> You know, people people actually use alphas and betas straight faced. I people know. actually use that terminology with not not a hint of irony. It's gross, isn't it? In a way, are fucking stupid, dude. People are fucking stupid, and we're going to talk about how unnecessarily fucking stupid and rude people are going to be this week. Uh, we're going to be covering the Doctor Who rumors, the weird, creepy fan ownership debacle that continues and is exemplified by a lot of the online Doctor Who in scare quotes fan base. Uh, yeah. We're also going to talk a little bit about terrible fucking online journalism. But first, I just wanted to bring up something that I, I forgot to mention, good sir, kind sir. Please do! Have you heard that Will Ferrell's resurrected Ron Burgundy? Again? The Anchorman character, yeah. Again? Um, he's doing a live comedy show throughout the States. He's going on tour. The character reason is that Ron Burgundy has decided in his twilight years to now be a stand-up and pursue a career he'd always wanted. Um, and as a result, he did something... He did something genuinely impressive the other night on US television. He was on four of the late-night shows on the same night, which means he pre-recorded stuff over the course of two days for four different late-night shows, which is quite a funny gag and a bit of promotion, because that's... it meant that whichever you were watching, the host was talking to Ron Burgundy. That's frankly... Incredibly impressive yeah. for Will Ferrell. Yeah. Here's the other thing. I still don't get it. Mm. I don't get... Well, I get Will Ferrell. He's not my thing. There's not many movies that I enjoy him in, but Will I can Ferrell see why people like him. Things. Oh, God, no. Dingle no. dangle. I, I know I'm sat on the couch with, with a fan of John C. Reilly, um, but I, I, Love can't, John C. Reilly. I can't stand Step Brothers. I just think it's really. Obnoxious. I got about twenty minutes into Step Brothers and was just like, I can't do this. I just, it's I cannot. They're do just this. yelling at each other. And the thing is, John C. Riley can do comedy really well, and he can do drama really well. He can do nuanced comedy. But it's like you put him in really a room well. with Feral, and he just becomes a Feral. He becomes he becomes a Feral. Will Feral is like that um, that guy you knew back in college who just brings out the worst in you. Yeah. And the rest of your other friends, the rest of your friends that you've. Remain friends with through your adult life. All hate him because yeah. when he come, whenever you come into contact with him, you just turn into a fucking child again. Like he's he's cluelessly doing that. Like he's not he's not a bad person. Doesn't seem to be nasty. In interviews where he's talking straight and everything, seems like a nice guy. Cool. That just seems like that's all he can do, though. Yeah, and I'm gonna make a confession now to our listeners. And I know a lot of our demographic are in the late teens, early twenties. So some of you might find this sacrilege, but sod it. I don't find Anchorman funny. The first Anchorman's okay. I just I, I don't I don't find it offensive or like. Oh God, no! It's too, it's too uh, toothless to be offensive. Yeah, I don't know, but I mean, like, I'm not like, oh, what is this movie? I'm just like, no, I don't get it. I can see why people could get it, 
but I do not get it. A bit weirdly, like crabs. <laughs> God. <laughs> well, um, weirdly, I like the second one, and I think it's because the second one has more of a structure to its plot, and all the wacky improv just seems to happen along the way. But that first movie just feels like a series of improvised scenes. That's exactly what it is. It's just that the improvisations are funnier in the first one than they are in the second one. Well, I think in it, everybody's trying to out-funny everyone else. So it kind of just feels a bit gross. It's the Ghostbusters problem. The the only... And again, great performers, like Paul Rudd, David Koechner, like, amazing performers. The only person that came out of that first one going, yeah, do you know what, I like them in this, was Steve Carell. Yeah. And I think it's because, what's his character? Brick Tamland. Brick, yeah. Brick is, because he is the softer character, because he is... You know, not as as aggressive or, or trying to be as alpha. There we go. As alpha. the other ones. Like, when he submits something funny, it's actually like, that's kind of sweet or that's kind of funny. Well done. Because, you know, Carell's been saving it for a moment to just slip that little thing in. Save it for me! <laughs> oh, God. Save it for me, Carell. But I just, ne- I just never got it. Like, there's some quotable lines in there, but it feels like the film is trying to provide you with lines to put on a t-shirt. And that, to me, well, isn't, yeah. that to me it, isn't a script. And which is spawned. Oh, yeah. So many more of those kind of films. Which sucks balls. Um, it does suck balls. So the fact that he's taking the character on the road, I was, I, I, as a performer, I was like, I'm intrigued. Like, there's, there's a character of mine that I really like that I've wanted to do something with. But I don't think I Not have like the right... sex thing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> but I don't think I have, like, the right thing for him yet. And as a result, I wouldn't want to force it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I want to find yeah. something that fits him. Um, where it would require me to essentially do some public speaking improvising as this character. I wouldn't let you do any public speaking. Oh, good Lord. Improvised or not. Oh, good Lord. But, but you know what I mean? It's, it's like, that's a, you know, I, I'm carefully considering. Ron Burgundy's entire thing is that he's a sort of sexist um, news anchor very much of his time in a parody of the 70s. Yeah. So, to have that character being the same character now, apparently in his 60s or, or well, it's that ageless thing of like, the character would be about going on 80 now. But yeah. he's not playing it like that. The wig's just a bit greyer. Um, I watched this interview with Colbert and he mentions Baxter, the dog. And Colbert twigs and he sort of goes, how is Baxter? Because obviously Anchorman and Anchorman 2 take place in the 70s. Yeah, yeah. So he's like, oh, he's good. And you can tell Feral. it was it really annoyed me because I was like, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's impressive to come out and improv a character on a, t- on a chat show. Yeah. And be able to hold your own. But if you're going to do that, you better know your character's history inside Fucking and out too, right? and you can tell that in that moment will ferrell that was the first time he'd thought of oh shit what is the dog story now like baxter is obviously a big part of anchorman one and two like it's ron burgundy's only confidant for a lot of those two movies yeah that character would be dead by about 30 plus years by now oh yeah it's but he's right. like no he's, he's good and then they go into this whole because carell's of uh, carell uh, Colbert. So it's confused them because they worked on the Dana Carvey show together and were really good. Um, Colbert starts to kind of, you know, not not nastily, but poke fun at him and kind of see how far he can take this yeah. now fictional thing of Baxter being like in his in, in his forties in human in in human years and like two hundred and something in dog years. Yeah, and then you know it moves on. But I just sat there thinking. How are you one of the most highly rated and highly paid comedy stars in the world? Because people and you think it's funny when he yells. That? It's just weird. But it's man. funny when he shouts, Chris. It's weird, man. Give him a good scriptwriter, even in a dumb thing. Right, Kevin Smith, arguably a very good sc- uh, screenwriter. Arguably, I, uh, Clerks, 
Clerks 2. Hey, I'm, I like Kevin Smith, yeah. so don't, but, I'm not going to... But his dumbest movie, okay. like, intentionally dumbest oh. movie, is James Tusk. Al- Gen- oh, no. No. <laughs> no, Tusk is ridiculous. Tusk is ridiculous, but it knows it's ridiculous. <laughs> but, like, Jane Silent Bob is the first of, of that series. Yeah. Where it's like, this is just going to be dumb for dumb's sake. Yeah. Um, like, the rest of them were dumb because it was the, the sort of the stoner, you know, Gen X kind of humour in there. But, like, that was the first one where they're like, this is just going to be a wacky road trip movie with weird characters. So even that isn't, like, his sharpest writing, but it's still probably a lot more kind of sharp and, 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 and well-honed a script than any other thing Will Ferrell has done. And as a result, his character in it, Marshall Will and Holly, is one of the few performances of his that doesn't annoy me. Yeah, because I'm like, yeah, fair enough. You can tell when the improv's happening, but the rest of it's the script. And it's like, that works. He's all right in Blades of Fury. Yeah, he's, he's all right in Stranger Than Fiction. And I can see why people really like him in, in Elf. I, personally, I can't, can't stand, stand Elf. Elf. Yeah, and I can't stand the fact that it's it's had that weird resurgence that some 2000s movies have had where they've become musicals. Why? Why, why, why? Why? Fuck knows. Why? Um, so Gotta get something on stage for Christmas, Chris. Go see a panto, you lazy fucks. No, nope. um, no, nope. we're gonna do Elf, Elf live on stage, the Will Ferrell comedy classic, Elf. Like I, I love School of Rock. I've got no interest to see School of Rock on stage. Weirdly, I think it's a better fit than Elf, though. True, because it's actually about music. But at the same time, part of the charm of School of Rock is those kids' performances. Yeah. So putting slotting a new set of kids in. Well, I guess it's good opportunities for young performers. True, but there's like classics for that, and probably new works that have yet to see the light of day for that. True, you know I mean it's I don't know. Musical and IP is a tough subject anyway, mostly because there's what I really want to do. <laughs> it's yeah. like it's incredibly hypocritical for me to take a complete stance yeah, on it. But you know, it's Elf Ferrell never got it. I've never understood it, and I, I just want to put it out there. Does anyone else out there not get it? The Will Ferrell thing, just not understand why. Q flood of emails. Why Will Ferrell is the best comedian in all of comediandom. No, he ain't. No, he freaking ain't. No, he he's, ain't. Not, he's not even the best improv comic out of the four leads in Anchorman, in that group. Like, David Koechner, arguably, is a sharper improv comedian. Paul Rudd comes up with more punchlines off the top of his head that are sharper. Carell is a master of the straight face and the understated little... Sort of line that just comes in, takes you by surprise. Yeah, there's a reason he was in the office for so fucking long. Oh, God, he's so And nice. why it worked so well when they got away from the British yeah. um, roots of it. If you're going to start the office, do it the way I did. Turn to your friend Matt and say, where should I start? Season two. <laughs> I, think it was, I think it was even like mid-season two. You just put it on you went, probably from here's from the best. And you whacked it on. It was it was an episode where they were having like, an, having like a party or something in the warehouse in the stock stock warehouse or something I don't recall and that was where we picked up from and I then went home and watched like the next few episodes after that and it was the perfect jumping on point it's because because I'd watched I this we always talk about this don't we like a show should get you from day one but I remember watching the American office when it first broadcast on ITV2 no, I was like bad. this is shit it's bad this is terrible I think they only did that they only did that because they literally just remade the first six episodes mm. but over but, the course of like ten yeah and and but in the yeah. states and everything about it and just, it just like, sucked. It looks dour, and that's fine because the UK one did. It sort of had that dour look about it, and you know they washed out. But it's when they had the balls to turn around and go, "Okay, this isn't working. We're going to do something else with it." 
Yeah. That was when it really picked up steam. And it just went from strength to strength. And why that version survived for as long as it did, because it was like, it's now its own thing. Arguably too long. I don't know. I never finished it, so I don't know how... I don't know how it declined in its later years, if it did even. I think we got midway through the first season where it was interchangeable bosses. So yeah. I, think, I think we we got Idris Selba and, and Catherine Tate. Um... Yeah, Will Ferrell, I believe, is in a couple, like a cameo or whatever. A yeah, which surprised me. Um, a Jim Carrey cameo. It was really weird. Um, Everything Jim Carrey does nowadays is really weird. Pretty much, but damn, he's a fine painter. Well, <laughs> damn fine painter. Damn fine. <sighs> anyway, enough uh, shooting our loads it- on canvas. Let's take a dump on the internet. Oh, AKA- love taking a dump on the internet. Internet journalism. Everybody, sign up to my Patreon, <laughs> and you can watch my Twitch stream, where I take a dump. Oh. Live on the internet. And <laughs> just then... Ser- search for I just will, chatting. I will settle... <laughs> just chatting. Just, just chatting. And I will... I, I, I can also sell you, for no less than 30 GBP, soon to be worthless. <laughs> um... <laughs> My toilet bowl water. Oh. And each batch is found to table. Not oh, the right God. Term. I think so. Um, She's gone now, hasn't she? And it's she got blocked from, from everything. Um, What's her face? Bathwater yeah. McGee, whatever it was. She's been, she, she got like taken off Twitch and, and, and um, um, suspended on Instagram and stuff. Um, yeah, so you, and now I'll write on each bottle what I had. Oh, what it was that was coming out. It's considerate of you in a way. Yeah, so you you know you get different flavors for different. Oh, oh, occasions. I what I do is I would pour some wax into it and, it's and, purely, then a, and then put a wick in and I use it as a scented candle. Purely to go up like a fucking rocket. <laughs> Especially if I had an Indian the night before. Oh, oh. <laughs> threat level midnight. <laughs> um. Oh, just reference the previous segment. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> oh god uh, we 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 always uh, unless there's obviously a, a big obvious story that we want to talk about this big week, obvious story we'll Which always isn't really we'll skim the news sites to see oh is there something we've missed there's something obviously a pop culture podcast primarily or this week we've just been a ch- slagging off Will Ferrell podcast but um, what's the difference really in a way but this week we were like oh it's kind of quiet there's not really much going on this that and the other and then a headline just before we hit record just Smacked Matthew right in the chops. Right in the chops. I'm gonna find that. I'm gonna find the headline here, and I'm gonna tell you that the <laughs> site the headline is on <laughs> rhymes with critical pie. You mean digital spy? Yeah. Digital. Um, yeah. This re- article. Remember the headline. Posted. Leave that word out because on the small thumbnail it didn't have that word in it. Because I remember reading that going, oh, that's weird. No, it did. Did it have that word in it too? Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. That's the full headline as it appeared okay. on my Google Assistant card. Filth. And it, 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 said, it said, this is a headline Vigil Spy posted today. Mm, year of our Lord. As we're recording this, 13th of August, 2019. It says, Avengers Endgame features an unexpected Thor the Dark World reference. Now... Minor spoilers for the motion picture Avengers Endgame. We know. Yeah. <laughs> like, the... they actually flash back. 
they go back in time to the events of Thor the Dark World. About a fifth of the movie's um, sequences, consequences, motivations, and specifically Thor's story arc relies heavily on the events of and the character relationships lost in Thor the Dark World. A bunch of that stuff comes from fucking um, Thor Thor the Dark World. World. I mean, people got back into this movie, Thor the Dark World, because of its use in Endgame. Like, Endgame retroactively made people re-examine Thor the Dark World. The oft-overlooked film in the series. It's not very good. It's not great. But there's stuff in there that's cool. And this movie made everyone go back to look at it. What do you mean there's an unexpected reference? Unexpected Thor. Now, clickbait is a ting. Clickbait is a ting. And this is clickbait. It's the clickbaitiest of the baited clicks. Which we clearly fucking fell for. Well, it was one of those where we sort of looked at it and we went... It's like, I have to know. We have to know what... But, but it's that thing of... we ha- How many of us looked at it the way we did? Which is, we have to know what stupid angle they've come thing from is, to though, turn if they're this getting into the article, clicks, then... Doesn't matter, doesn't matter. Yeah, but we so just... So, we're the fools, really. So, we're reading this, so you guys don't have to read it. But it's... Like, oh... Fans of the film may have just unearthed a very small reference to a surprising source elsewhere in the MCU, and it's the less-loved Thor The Dark World. Who knew? Anyone who watched Avengers Endgame. And apparently, there's, um... When they're looking at time travel stuff on the screen, there's the date of 2988. Which apparently is supposed to be 2988 BC, which is when Asgard defeated the Dark Elves and Malekith. And that's where the Aether was, so it was maybe one of the locations someone was looking at going to get the Aether. Aether? Aether? The, that stone. Um, oh, God. From the first Battle of Svartalfheim. I'm like, and are you so, so lovingly said it, um, that. This has basically been written by someone who's probably not seen the film. Yeah, it sounds like they've been given a oh, uh, there is an Easter egg. We found this in the thing. Just write up about that. It was it was, it was something to do with Thor: The Dark World. Uh, not because the article is misinformed per se, but it's because it's just sort of culturally deaf, especially for a pop culture website, which of course <coughs> you think would assume the readers would be you know like it's not like um, it's not like Iron Man Two. There's an Easter egg in Iron Man Two. Uh, it's the earliest on-screen reference to Wakanda, which of course we wouldn't hear about until 2016 in Civil War in the MCU, and we wouldn't visit till Black Panther in 2018. Indeed, but there in 2010 is a reference to Wakanda in the last big like scene with Nick Fury, where it's him and Tony Stark in that warehouse and all the shield equipment's up. There's a big old map of the world with points of interest marked on it, and one of them is in the middle of the African continent, and it's got like sort of mysterious text next to it of like, you know, unclassified or declassified or things like that. And people spoiled it and went, oh God, that's, is that a reference to Wakanda? It's, it's Wakanda! That's an Easter egg. That's a cool little tidbit. That is... That is the sort of thing where I can imagine a pop culture website, especially back then when this was less of a plague, um, <laughs> going, oh, did you guys spot, did you guys spot this? Do you know what I mean? Or like, next yeah. to Man 2, yeah, keep yeah. an eye out for this. That's cool. Like, that's nice. Great. Whatever. The characters are getting information on each of the Infinity Stones, and on that board is information about the stones, and the last time the stones were in the possession of the, the Dark Elves, it's not an Easter egg. 
That's not freaking it. That's literally what's happening. The characters, just... the characters are figuring out where the stones have been and possibly where to get them. Of course Thor's going to fucking list like, oh, that was when it was acquired by the Dark yeah. Lord. Of course he is. Uh, oh, it's an Easter egg. It's, it's referring to an event that we saw in the opening scene of Thor the Dark World, which is a flashback to that fight. But you know why this happened? Featuring Tony exists. Curran as, as Boar, which is a really random bit of casting. It's like, oh, fuck, it's Tony Curran. I can tell you why this article exists, Chris. Clickbait. This article exists <laughs> because at the bottom of this article, there are a bunch of affiliate li- links to various MCU Blu-ray sets. Oh, good Lord. And there is a heading... In the middle of the article, under an image where you'd expect there to be a caption for the image, that just says, we earn a commission for products purchased through some links in this article. So basically, they've look, gone... Look at the placement need, of that. We need to promote... That looks like it should be a quote. We need to promote some, uh, what's it, Marvel stuff. Yeah. So we need to come up with an article. Uh, just, oh, uh, just, uh, just mention a date on one of the screens. What? Yeah. What? Just, so remember, come with just come up with some, do a think piece. Have one of your journalists who's passionate about films or passionate about those movies. Just say to him, "Do you want to write a think piece about something to do with the MCU?" Like just a little thing, just a random personal thing. Like Total Film is not exempt from criticism. Total Film produces maybe about fifty percent throwaway garbage online. The magazine itself is part of a proud tradition of media magazines that do film essays and retrospectives and big interview pieces. And I think the magazine is untouchable. Great. There's no empire, but it's pretty keep, great. Yeah, but you know what I mean? Like, keep going. It does its thing. It's got its place. Total Film, the website, is, is a garbage fire. In fact, one of the writers who used to write on that that wrote really <laughs> bad countdown and listicle items, really under-researched this and the other, is a regular contributor to comicbookmovie.com. Because every time I get a clickbaity thing for that, sent my way or this that and the other I'm like what I might give it a little clicky Rooney let's take a look see at the writer I'm not going to say his name because he might he might actually listen to pop culture podcasts in which case I want you to know that you're doing a terrible job I know but what you're I'm not going to hang you out to dry son um, and I also know that someone would just be daft and go and search him up and tell them what I said because the internet's weird more Ugh. on that later but um like, they just write these garbage, shitty little pieces that mean nothing. Recent Total Film have at least done a thing for about a year now called Is It Just Me? Or... Where it's a, it's a video essay, a, a written essay about a controversial opinion to do with a film. Yeah. Now, some of them do read a little bit like they're just trying to be antagonistic for clicks. Oh, funnily enough, uh, comic book movie have got the same article up as... Um, Digital Spy. Digital Spy. Oh, that's fucking. I mean, it's not the same article, but it's about the same. It's not an Easter egg. It's not an Easter egg. It's a board of information within the movie, specifically discussing something that the characters are talking about. It's not an Easter egg. Mm. Oh Mm. my god, this is banal. Mm. Ah, anyway, um, is it just me or articles? Some of them do seem like they're just trying to antagonize people and get a rise in the comments. But some of them are genuinely like, is it just me or will we all wrong about Batman and Robin? And they'll write like this, that and the other and you'll go like, I think we might have been wrong about Batman and Robin. <laughs> In hindsight. Um, that, oh God. That's a discussion no, for another day. No, But you know what I mean though? There's like, they write those sort of things where they go like, here, me as a film journalist and lover, here's my opinion on this, that, and the other. Or here's how the landscape's changed. And looking back at this now, does this mean that, uh, you know, it's like, oh, that's cool. Someone's yeah. put some thought into it. Not just gone, uh, oh, uh, exclusive. Um, 
Ant-Man eats only half of Black Widow's peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> if you look in Endgame, if you look on the desk, half of the sandwich is still on the plate, which means that Scott clearly wasn't that hungry after being in the quarter round. It's just like, what... Examples, examples of Easter eggs that are actually kind of Easter eggs and make fun little, like, oh, did you know, articles. Howard the Duck in Endgame. That's one where I'm like, okay, cool. Because then people who didn't spot him will go, wait, what? And then, they'll, and then they'll be on the lookout for him. Um, Howard the Duck. Like, that sort of stuff, that's great. But not like, did you notice the tape deck on uh, the Benatar uh, in the Guardian scenes? Looks like Star-Lord made sure to install a tape deck in this shit. Yeah, we assume he yeah. would do. That's not Easter <laughs> it's, it's freaking, it's, it's character oh, history. That's not Easter Oh, my God. He's got a tape deck. God, the internet is irritating. A real tape deck. Speaking of the internet, how is irritating. irritating is it, Matthew Watson? Yes, love of my life. Yes, carrier of my child. Uh, Would you please tell uh, these good people what rumor? We stress this word, rumor. Rumor in relation to a show that we love but reluctantly talk about circulated the tinterwebs this past week. Um. So. We're all aware. Are we? We're all aware <laughs> that the twelfth season of everybody's favourite TV show about a time travelling nutter who likes to abduct people. <laughs> Doctor Who. Oh right, yeah. <laughs> is in production. Yeah. The twelfth season of the modern run of the show. Rumours are Rumours are Rumour has it ooh, that Chris well, Chibnall, conflicting, yeah, conflicting reasons for, yeah, conflicting yeah, reasons for, that. which you know that's something we can get into, but not, but basically, broad strokes, Chris Chibnall, um, showrunner, and his uh, his doctor uh, star Jodie Whittaker are bouncing, like, getting out of dodge. <laughs> they are scram. On, in various terms, depending on the reasons for their for their departure, or the reasons they for their departure, they're getting out of dodge. Um, in varying varying levels of um, one rumor acrimony. is that he is walking from the show, and Jody is joining him in solidarity. One rumor is he's been fired from the show, and someone else. Various rumors say different writers from the previous season is being brought on to shepherd the show for the remainder of the series record. Others are mostly finished by now, right? Others are uh, again. Take this with a pinch of salt, but from what we're hearing, season twelve is nearly wrapped, and they're about to go into production on the preceding special Christmas or New Year, whichever one to be to be decided. But um, they're about to record their first episode last, which is not unlikely. Um, especially because based on what the setting of it is, they might want to keep it keep keep it as current as possible yeah. up to the moment of recording because it reflects something in real world or whatnot. Um, you know that's that's you know that's that's not an unbelievable place for the production to be in. But if they are going into the special, then the show isn't in turmoil because it's already mostly recorded. And just needs a shepherd for the final block. Yeah, but two miles a good headline. But also, why would someone walk during the last block? 
rumours have since circulated that Bradley Walsh has walked off the set and refused to work for a couple of days in relation to or in solidarity with the firing slash quitting rumours. Rumours are that the BBC don't like the direction Chibnall's taking the show in. What that means has not been clarified or expanded upon, but has instead been interpreted by different people. And the fact is that a small but vocal part of the fan base absolutely despise the direction Chris Chibnall has taken the show in mm-hmm. because there are more women in it. Oh, and they do hate woms, people don't they? Colour. They hate woms and they hate going and doing historicals in settings that aren't overtly white British. Just, uh, I love it. God. I love it. I absolutely love Doctor Who fandom. Said no one ever! Yeah, isn't it weird that about f- five years ago, five, six years ago, 2013, everyone was so pleased to be part of this big family. I really enjoyed show. spending time on Gallifrey Base. Okay, that's there's a time for sarcasm. And that's oh, I used to really <laughs> genuinely enjoy it. Yeah, Back when it was Outpost Gallifrey. I, I was on it, yeah, I was on it in 2009, so that yeah. would have been Outpost, yeah, I enjoyed my time there, it was alright. But, you know, it, it's, the think about 2013, and talking about it more more than usual, because obviously the 50th anniversary stuff was happening. Oh, was a, yeah. There was a pretty, you know, not, not, not necessarily beloved series, but a pretty consistently strongly watched series and discussed series going on that year, a bunch of extra content and then the big anniversary special the year ended with matt's last story as the doctor it was like yeah it was a cool year to be a doctor who fan everybody was getting on and having a laugh yeah true and 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 you know sharing stories people who weren't fans of the modern era but were just fans of the classic era came back to check out the 50th just to celebrate the show and and you know maybe some of them stuck around maybe some of them didn't but either way they'll have converted some more people to the original run and shared stories and made friends and this is great Good work, everyone. It's a good time. Everyone's having a big loving. Skip forward to 2018 and early 2019, and it is one of the most toxic fandoms on the internet. I hate the word fandom now because of this stuff. I absolutely hate it. Um, where to begin with this one? From a television production standpoint, I've got a little bit more insight than the layman, because obviously I've worked within TV, working on shows and broadcasting, and I've also worked at the BBC. I'll tell you this for now, boys and girls. The benefit. If he'd been fired... If he had been fired, fired, it would not be until after the production of the series. You don't fire your main writer, showrunner in the middle of production. Doesn't happen. You don't. What you do is you don't renew the contract. Yeah, you wait till the end. You wait till the job has been done, and you call it a day. If he has walked, that is also plausible. But if he has walked, I think he. Or they would have put a statement out sooner to clarify. Now, there is such a thing as damage control. It does happen, especially with big family-friendly organisations. They want to make sure that, you know, like, uh, you know, their star does something really heinous. They don't exactly want it to be spelled out in bright lights for everybody. Or, yeah. you know, the, there's horrible turmoil behind the scenes. I mean, you know, there's been rumours of turmoil in Doctor Who for years. There's been rumours around the Moffat era. There's been rumours around the Russell era. Some rumours around the Russell era have been semi-clarified by former star Chris Eccleston that people within management positions at the Beebin drama didn't look out for everybody as much as he, the star, would have liked and it's one of the main reasons why he walked. Yeah. But do you know what he did? He finished the job. Yeah, that's that. He finished his contract and then he moved on. Um, Just as if Chibnall had had been fired, they would have just, like you said, they just wouldn't have renewed him beyond this contract. 
If he'd walked, sure, but they wouldn't immediately continue production unless everything he had done had been finished and signed off. There would have been... They would have been a halt in production, an emergency yeah. halt, if he was that integral to what was yet to be done. Unless he'd fulfilled his contract, in which case, he didn't walk. He just left a bit earlier than production would necessitate. But he still did his job, did everything he was meant to do, and then there still would be a statement. The PR machine around this thing would definitely have created a thing to be like, if this were the case, Christian has left the show... And uh, we're parting ways, and this, that, and the other, blah, 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 thank you very much. Move on. It would have been that. Plain and simple. Yes. You would think. But the BBC did put out a statement through the Radio Times that was very vague. And it basically said, Hey, everybody, uh, these rumours that have been going around are completely false, and this, that, and the other, and we'll see you with Series 12 early next year. And it's like, alright, well, that could be a fib. Most likely it isn't. Now. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there are rules mm. regarding what you can and can't say in things like that. Now, are we saying the rumours are completely untrue? No. We don't know. We don't take them as fact. Especially when there's so many conflicting versions of how it's happened. Yeah, I'm trying to find a like definitive version of the story, but I can't find it on any reputable news site. Isn't a single damn thing, and, and even and even on Twitter, like. But when you trace it back to who started the rumor, there are a couple of accounts on Twitter that have quote unquote sources who broke it. But a lot of the accounts that did that are part of what is known as the "Not My Doctor" brigade. <sighs> People who are incredibly dissatisfied with the current direction of the show and have made a mission of moaning about it every day on social media. Almost as though they have nothing else going on in their lives. Now, someone who might fit that description has listened to me saying that and going, oh, fuck off, you're really like talking about this shit on a podcast, this, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, Yeah. sure. But this is an hour of our time that we're going to spend talking about this. These accounts don't stop ever. But the worst thing is they actively go after other accounts who enjoy the show. Or other accounts who... Because there are people who defend the show who do it in the stupidest way imaginable. Doctor Who is full of that in its fandom. <laughs> people who aggressively go after people to defend the show. Don't do that. Don't be a dick. Oh, wow. Some of these... But there are people who aggressively go after the show to dismantle it. Who are just nasty to everyone. The sort of people who... And there is a trend here. If a Doctor Who fan of, of prominence makes a post about Doctor Who, usually a female fan... These people rock up in the comments at some point to mock or or attack or take the piss. And it's really gross. It is really, really gross. And it's I've, got, I've, fa- I've found some, Chris. Oh, God. What I've have found we found? some great ones. What have we found? This is, uh, this is on Movie Viral. Hey, Movie Viral. This is from yesterday. Shout out to Movie Viral. Doctor Who and the rumours of certain change. Chibnall out. Tenant back in. Oh, what? Christ. That one always comes up. Movie version imminent. Where next for the Time Lord? All one word, capitalised L. Um, oh, that's... <laughs> at least they're up front. At least they're up front and saying, yeah. let's speculate and make some gratuitous suggestions. Why? Because everyone is doing that now and lots of YouTubers are getting 
exclusive, scare quotes, and sources close, scare quotes, style news nuggets. Hep, even Radio Times issued a denial of a rumour that Chris Chibnall, showrunner, and Jodie Whittaker, the current Doctor, are about to quit. Fine, except that nobody had heard or circulated that rumour widely until the denial was issued by the Radio Times itself, a magazine supposedly with official industry backing slash connections. All a bit odd slash suspect. Really? No. Really? Okay. They they probably issued a statement through Radio Times quite simply because they'd been inundated on their social media by these, like, never-ending fucking accounts always tweeting them and always talking to them. That's why. Yeah. I rarely block on Twitter, but the majority of my block list is people who just moan about Doctor Who. <laughs> not, uh, not, not like in general, just to me or my friends to the point where they don't remove you when you're in a thread and you're just like, oh, for God's sake. Like, I'm blocking you. Just shut up. I'm not going to mute you. I'm blocking you. Yeah. Just a hate-filled spew. Oh, here we go. nastiness. Here we go. For a kid's show. For a kid's show. It's not a kid's show. Fuck off, it is. Carry on, sorry. <laughs> this article goes on to say, Chris Chibnall probably does, oh, perhaps, have to go. Sorry. Why? Because if enough people are saying he might be going, and a substantial part of an otherwise dedicated fandom are actively seeking said departure, then it's probably time to go? That's not how the BBC works. Quite why he was promoted. The BBC would not fire someone because some vocal fans don't like him. Quite why he was promoted so far is a mystery. Yes, Broadchurch did well, sure, but that series' success was, dare I say it, due in large part to the dream team of Olivia Coleman and, and yes, him again, David Tennant. Yeah, a show that wouldn't exist without him conceiving and writing and showrunning the fucking thing. If you take out Coleman and Tennant, Broadchurch becomes an elongated, even rather dull and derivative police procedural. Sorry. You take out Coleman and Tennant, and it'll have other people of note in it that would make people want to watch. Sorry. Sorry to be, I'm sorry to be really shitty about this, but it's just I know, like, right? But it's oh, like attracts like, Christopher. Like attracts like. Oh, um, God. Chibnall was not a sci-fi writer of note, either. Yes, he had written some episodes of Doctor Who in the Moffat Davis series. Yes, he was a fan all the way back to the John Nathan Turner years. But so what? That does not, in itself, make one an ideal showrunner unless they have some radical vision for the show's regeneration. And no, casting a woman, relocating the schedule to Sunday nights, and emphasising social issues over plot and character does not cut it. Oh, for sorry, fuck. What's this site? Sorry, what's this site called? This is movieviral.com. Fuck yourself, movieviral.com. And I'll tell you for why. You've just bought into the whole argument of, like, the show was never about social issues or political issues. Why they're doing it. It always was. Well, this... It was an educational show aimed at kids to be watched by families. It was there to teach. Shut the fuck up with... Oh, my God. They're getting oh, me so angry. This is great. I'm so sorry, guys. This is great. For me getting this thing. I just... To that be... argument is so stupid. This article is wonderfully boneheaded. Oh, to be my fair, God. To be fair to Chibnall, the rot set in under Stephen Moffat. He managed to unbalance the Russell T. Davis era's genuine sense of fair representation of race slash class slash gender and sexuality. Everything became heavy-handed and over-laboured. Plots were clever, but the characters and their associated line patterns became adolescent, didactic lectures and tiresome, verging on the offensive. Moffat gave us lesbian lizards. Amy Pond was ready to pop. Not sure what that has anything to do with anything. Uh, Jane Austen was a great kisser. Elizabeth I was basically well the same as in Blackadder 2, only not as funny or sexy. 
That was re- that was really a problem with it, wasn't it? That was really a problem with it. The fact that you couldn't jerk it to Elizabeth the First, you didn't find her sexy enough. That was your issue, wasn't it? Can't pull the wool over my fucking eyes. Oh Fine, except that that's at odds entirely with Moffat's previous form. He's the man who once wrote, wrote a sitcom episode revolving entirely around why a woman's remote control never keeps its batteries. Clue, it's because they use them for... Ha ha, yes, that. So mature. Right on. Progressive. No. Right, so wait. There I are, don't get what this article's trying to say. Their argument now is people are annoyed that the show is more socially conscious and everything because they were used to the previous version, which was more smutty. No. He's is, saying, that what is that what they're trying saying, to defend it with? It got more smutty under Stephen Moffat, and that was where the rot set in. But then it got more socially conscious under Chris Chibnall, and that's a problem. But the Russell C. Davis era was a perfect balance of being socially conscious. The, f- the fuck? I wait, know! Wait, they don't have a, they don't have a stance know. in that argument. I They don't know. have a stance in that argument. They're just saying things. Oh, for Christ's sake. <laughs> they're, like a, they're, like a, they're like a film studies student who writes a piece on mise en scene, but then doesn't actually round it out with Sorry. a context for what, Sorry. where they're coming from. I've got to show you this. This is the writer's credit. His, his little slug line and his, and his self-portrait at the bottom. Oh, good Lord. I'm going to censor his name uh, because you're not going to dump on people personally. But <laughs> they just credit themselves as mm, is a Time Lord from Gallifrey. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm a... Is a journalist... Da, 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 da. No, is the editor for this site... Da, da, da. No, he's a Time Lord from Gallifrey. Fucking Fuck hell. you! Fucking hell. Fuck you! Oh yeah, Bounty into Comics have got the rumour up. I'm... I'm mm. Oh my god. I, I need to double check, but I think Bounty into Comics is... is Might be a Gamergate... Gamergate? Comicsgate adjacent uh, oh, site. Oh, we better not mention that again. We got so many dislikes the last time oh, we mentioned yeah, Comicsgate. Oh yeah, it really, it really hurts. Mostly from um, whiny little shits. Whiny little shits who hate women, progression, racial representation. You know, all the stuff that should be normal and would be normal if it weren't for the fact they kept gatekeeping their incredibly safe, straight, white versions of everything. Fuck off. God, I'm getting so angry. And the thing is, some of them want me to get angry. Oh, yeah. Some of these people just want to wind me up. Oh, yeah. But they're not the people I'm angry at. Yeah, yeah. Weirdly enough. They don't They don't occupy my time. Yeah, Barney Into Comics is, is a comics gate news hub. The people who are doing this to troll do not occupy my time, nor do I give them an ounce of my consideration, or even my pity for the rather pathetic life they've set themselves out to have, ultimately. The people that are annoying me are the people who truly believe in the anti-progressive stuff and think that it's a problem in a show that they swear was better before these things when these things have always been a part of the show they just haven't had the face of a woman at the head of it that's the only significant change that suddenly woken them up to hating it oh here we go this is what Bounding Into Comics are reporting on the rumour okay this is from August 9th a new rumour indicates that both actress Jodie Whittaker and showrunner Chris Chibnall have exited Doctor Who the rumour comes from tw- from Twitter user Elgato Doshikolos, who reports an anonymous whistleblower told them that one of the key reasons Chibnall is leaving is a, dis- is a dispute over Bring Back Rose. 
That's an exact quote. Oh, Christ. Chibnall reportedly wanted to bring back actress Billy Piper to reprise her role as Rose Tyler. However, according to the anonymous whistleblower, BBC was not thrilled by the idea. In fact, after reportedly seeing a screener, BBC executives reportedly stormed out. A screener? So that suggests that she would already have been brought back and the scenes filmed? Yeah. Right, so so these news sites haven't broken this story... An non-whistleblower has because... told me that one of the key reasons Chibnall is leaving is a dispute over bringing back Rose. The BBC weren't happy with the way he planned to do it. Couldn't get exact details on what that was, though. Rose was in... But the... that's suggesting that the execs are invested enough in the story of the show that they're annoyed by how it was done. I mean, here we go, here we go. But these same execs um, didn't mind all the fucking weird quibbles of the Moffat oh, era that went unexplained guy. or unanswered. Um, that also suggests that execs at BBC's drama or well, BBC World's drama are people completely invested in the realms of the show they're a producer of. I can tell you from experience, the people at the top, in most cases, give no fucks about the narrative yeah, weight I find of what, it hard they, what they're running. A BBC executive getting worked up enough about an episode of Doctor Who to storm out of a screening. Like they don't, Bro- they don't care about that. They honestly do not care. There are people who do. When that happens, it's miraculous and it's freaking wonderful. Watched Shazam last night. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Noticed on my screening that this time, didn't notice the last time, one of the exec producers of Shazam, Dwayne Johnson. Dwayne Johnson has an vested interest, invested interest in the character in that world because he's been tied to it for about seven years to do a Black Adam themed film, which is a part of Shazam. So when he's an exec producer on Shazam, I'm like, that's somebody who's keeping an eye on this because he wants to make sure that the playground he's part of is going to be perfect for when he takes part in it. Mm -hmm. That's an exec producer who's looked at it and gone, do you know what? I want to make sure this is all right and this is all good by me and gets my seal of approval. Yeah? That is a very rare case. That is a rare case that an exec producer or something who is not directly involved in the production gives a shit about the production other than what money it's making and how the money's being spent. Yeah. Doctor Who has been fortunate because a lot of its exec producers over the years are people either involved with or at least one or two of them are directly with the creation of the show. Russell's era. Russell was one of the exec producers alongside Julie Gardner and Phil Collinson. Great, because one of your exec producers is the guy crafting the stories and telling the tale. As I think TV kind of should be. It should be, absolutely. Like when it's worked well, it's tended to be that way. But this is suggesting that, like, because I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think Chimnall is the exec producer who was carried over from last series and into this series. Uh, I'm not sure what the change of the guard has been on. But I can't see one or two other people in the room being like, no, I'm sorry, Chris, you can't do this. This is against what makes the show work. It's 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 this weird assumption because there's another thing that fans of big big sort of franchises like this feel. They feel that everyone cares about it as well about their show. They don't. Yeah, BBC don't. executives do not care about Doctor Who. They care about what ratings it gets, what money it makes for BBC Studios. They don't care about the show the way you do. And do you know what? That's fine as long as they look after it in the capacity that they're invested in, yeah. then they're doing their job. Cool. But the same reason that a, a loud group of fans saying they don't like Chibnall like, is not going to get him removed from the show. That would no. not be the decision that makes them... No. The execs and the heads of drama do not look at the internet and go, well, there's a lot of people who aren't happy that it's a woman. I guess we better change that now. They don't give a shit what you think. Yeah. And that's fine. Well, we're, we're the reason they make their money because we invest in the show. That's cool. That's true. It is. 
to vote with your wallet if you're upset. Mm-hmm. That will show them something. But here you are, still tweeting with the hashtags, still interacting with all the official posts, still buying the merchandise, even though, oh, look, I'm going to burn up the Jody page. Watch me do a video of burning the Jody page of the calendar. You're still giving them money, still giving them your time. You are still it's like, tuning in. It's like the comics gate folk likes Ethan Van Skyver, like bulk buying oh, Rose Tico action figures and dismembering them. Yeah. Like, all you're doing is so it is. You a, bought them. You, you sent a bunch of merchandising money to Disney's way, and uh, you just proved that you're creepy. Hasbro get their report. Oh, we sold out of that stock in the end. It's completely gone. Well, I guess that character's better. Popular. make some more. Let's make some more. Um, but like, yeah, just, this, just. Oh, God. This guy, this guy who tweets the rumour then goes on a tweet Rose was in the Jadoon story, one of the first filmed. Chibnall and Strevens played a screener for BBC execs and supposedly they were so mad they stormed out. Source suspects the exact reason is being kept quiet so BBC can refilm it without word getting out about the original plotline. Also... That's definitely not happening, dude. Why, why would Chibnall bring back Rose? I, just just from, from a I, fan standpoint, why would Chibnall bring back Rose? He doesn't have need to. I don't know. doesn't have need to know. at all. That, that story's closed off and he's made a very big point of the start of his run. I got to chat with him last year and I asked him about it just off stage briefly. I said like, so was it a conscious decision to, you know, completely not use any elements that previously existed? And he said, yeah. He said, because we wanted to, to make our stamp and it feel fresh. Yeah, you wanted to be on board and feel like a defined era. And I don't mind saying that because he said words to that effect in numerous interviews yeah. that up to last series. That's been, that's been openly, that has been, uh, the sort of documented that was the point and that's that why the, the Jadoon that's season, why the Jadoon appearing was kind of like oh that's kind of special because it means they've gone oh go on we'll do one we'll do one thing from yeah. the past like they wouldn't suddenly open the floodgates after one series but, um, especially if that series has won over new viewers who've joined it because of what it is now like you don't want to then bombard them with stuff with the stuff they'll be like oh I don't get it now oh it's throwing me off um, oh, so weird. So, but two more things. One, this this article then goes on to say, as of right now, both Jodie Whittaker and Chris Chibnall are set to continue filming Series 12 of Doctor Who. To compound this mystery, though, it's unknown when and where they're going to shoot. No, that's not confounding the mystery. That's just how TV production works. They don't announce to <laughs> the world where they're going to be. I'll give you a minor spoiler alert. They'll probably be in Cardiff. They're somewhere... Around Wales, oh my maybe God. Um, at a push, maybe in Sheffield for a couple of days. But secondly, I, oh, um, I, I denied the this reality. I, you know, this reality is a computation. When you, when you go and abandon it in the comics or any other website, it's like we use cookies for advertising purposes, and mm. I denied that. So this is not showing me personalised ads, but it's showing me ads for. 22 me- reasons Melania Trump is the classiest fir- first lady. Oh, 17 God. reasons Ivanka Trump is a positive role model for women. Oh, God. Uh, two more 22 reasons Melania Trump is the classiest first lady, both as a banner and as a side panel. Oh, God. And at the very bottom, 21 reasons Ivanka is the hottest first daughter. Oh, God. Well, that says everything about... So that says everything that about that everything website, about really? That website, uh, oh, good Lord. Jesus. Do we want to go further down this rabbit hole? Because I can keep going. I could really keep going. Hit me with one more, and then I think I'm going to have to have a very, very strong shot of it. Uh, right, so... Um, Good Lord. Just... Well, we've already mentioned that the rumours came from the YouTuber Doomcock. Jesus Christ. Who is actually at Doomcock who, on Twitter. Who, 
As a troll, I would almost have a modicum of respect for if he just circulated the rumour so people would have to use the words Doomcock in articles. Latest tweet five days ago. Doctor Who is rumoured to be in turmoil as S12 ends with major sackings and an angry BBC. Both Chibnall and Whitaker are alleged to replace for S13 and the next Doctor will be male. Join me for a discussion of the latest rumours from one of my industry spies. And then a link Fuck to his off. YouTube video. Industry And there's lots spies. of people on 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 on, uh, on Twitter being like, Oh, Chris Chibnall rumours. Please, please, please be true. Please let it be true. Oh, I really want it to be true. I'm going to tell you this, guys. I've been to Wales. I've been to Cardiff. I've been to Rothlock while they've been shooting. Fuck, I can talk about it now because it's long after the fact. I went there while they were shooting Day of the Doctor. I was there doing behind the scenes on another programme within the block while they were making the 50th anniversary special. I'd been there before while they were in um, post-production. You still, in that that stretch, had to sign NDAs. You still had to provide ID, things like that. Uh, Those who don't know, NDA is a non-disclosure agreement. If you sign it, you are basically saying, under legal binding, you will not publicly, up to a certain point of release, discuss details of what you saw within there. Yeah. uh, Under penalty of being sued, basically. Uh, Litigation. Um, I was there during the filming of Day of the Doctor. I remember the NDA said something like, uh, you're not allowed to speak about a single detail, this, that, and the other, till after broadcast of any productions currently within house. Yeah. Um, so basically I wasn't allowed to publicly talk about the fact that I had been there, uh, that I'd been, uh, that, what I'd seen. I didn't see any spoilers per se. I saw Billy Piper in costume. Uh, I saw David Tennant in costume. I saw Peter Davison filming David Tennant for the Five-ish Doctor's reboot. The bit where he puts the fire extinguisher on the door because we had to cut past them to get where we needed to be. Mm-hmm. And we felt very embarrassed and I was suddenly like, oh, oh my God, there's David in the suit. Holy <laughs> shit, that's <laughs> Peter <laughs> Davison. <laughs> what are they doing? What's going on here? Is he just visiting him? Why is there a camera crew? What's happening? Um, what is this? What it be? Um, so like that, you know, th- that sort of stuff is cool. But I couldn't like tweet about that, for example. Of course, I told my my uh, partner, you know, at the time, now wife. I said, like, just so you know, like, I saw fucking David Tennant or something. Um, but a year prior, it would have been. Yeah. Um, I was there doing behind the scenes for Wizards vs Aliens next door to the studio they were filming all the submarine stuff for for Cold War. Yes. I chatted with one of the actors there. Um, he quite openly was talking about. He's like, oh yeah, we're doing one with the Ice Warriors, and I was like, wait, what? But I signed an NDA. So, of course, I wasn't going to leave the building and go, oh, my God, I was there while they were shooting Ice Warriors, guys. Yeah, I, didn't, I didn't hear anything about it at all. I wasn't going to put that shit out there into the world. I didn't have a clue that that was happening. <laughs> now, to be fair, if I remember correctly, I resisted for a long time you before I went, just so you time. know. Yeah, but again, that, again, I didn't... Th- I told you in confidence because yeah. I trust you and I knew you wouldn't put it out into the world. If a source, unquote, a spy... A spy. Unquote, an, an alien spy! spy. <laughs> unquote... <laughs> Was telling someone <laughs> that they know has a YouTube channel and an agenda. Let's be honest; these channels all have a very similar bent in terms of what story they want to tell about the show. Not my doctor. If they knew that their friend had a YouTube channel, they wouldn't tell them. Why? Because the bosses, if that got out, could easily just do a little peek at an employee Facebook or whatever and go, "Oh yeah, he knows that guy." He knows him. Did he tell him? They'd get someone fired. They would get someone fired. Yes, the person putting the news out there wouldn't be in any legal trouble. 
because they've not signed an NDA. But their friends certainly freaking would. <laughs> Why would they risk their friend's career like that? Why yeah. would their friend, more importantly, risk an ongoing job like that? The way people are employed at the BBC is you either have a staff contract or an ongoing freelance contract. Like you're a contributor or, you know, you, you are for hire, right? If you are staff, you are there for a certain amount of time. You can be fired if you breach contract, but you are there for a certain amount of time. That's mm. guaranteed employment for a period. If you are freelance and you're being hired on, on a, you know, sort of a month-by-month basis or a term basis... Yeah. You don't want to piss anyone off while you're there. Shit, you, no. You want your options open that they might ask you to come back. Oh, yeah. To work on other stuff. Too right. Also, that you have the option down the line of, oh, two productions have given me a job offer. Yeah. I'm going to go with that one. And I will be friendly with this one and say, I'm really sorry. I've already taken something on. Please keep me in mind for the future. You wouldn't jeopardise that by telling shit to someone you know is going to peddle it. So, if there is a rumour that has been started by information from on the set... It's because the person on the set has been stupid enough to tell it to someone who would broadcast it. In that case, they're probably going to get fired at some point. Yeah. Like, what the hell, man? I just... There, there, like, are, there are leaps in logic really? to believe that this is steadfast. Now... But then you get reactions it, like this all the time. The evil is defeated. Oh, fuck off. Uh, <laughs> you cabin in the woods gif on your Not My Doctor account. Jesus Christ. And people tweeting it with... Breaking news sky breaking graphics. News, sky graphics. Yeah. Like, so it looks more legit. Yeah. It's like, oh... Well, that one's not to say. Yeah, that's fairly lighthearted. Oh, is it? Is it? A, is that's it a, a, I don't think I can trust Christian with series twelve of Doctor Who until he makes the Peter Cushing Dalek oh, films canon. <laughs> okay, well they are. Moffat made them canon in Day of the Doctor. Apparently so. In the in the tar- the Target novelization, the BBC books Target novelization Listen, Day of the Doctor. It's a show about time travel. Everything's canon. Um, Clara asks about these posters on the wall, and and uh, and what's it? Kate Stewart has to explain that. Um, Due to like various rumours about the Doctor, the Doctor oversaw the production of films based on him, mm. uh, starring Peter Cushing, uh, to sort of like th- make it so that when people did search results and everything as the years go by, they'd only ever find that movie and things like that. And he was a big fan of it. He even lent him a bow tie or something for the production and all this. Like, that's adorable. Um, again, it's just in the Target novelization, but there you go. If you really want that, it exists. Um, <laughs> seriously... My favourite thing Moffat has ever done for Doctor Who, aside from the the Empty Child and the Doctor Dances, is the Target novel of the Day of the Doctor. It's brilliant. It's really good. Yeah. Um, and yeah, go for that. It's it's so good because he just leaps around narratively with it, and the Night of the Doctor is adapted as part of the story, and there's chunks of it that you know happen but are never adapted into the story because it focuses on something else instead. And, and each chapter is told from the different perspective of a different character. So it, you really have to pay attention because you're sort of like, oh, oh, we're Osgood. Okay. And things like that. And then, wait, hang on. No, no. Now we're Osgood. In that last chapter, we were the Zygon. Oh, shit. Like, it's, <laughs> do you know what I mean? There's loads of stuff like that. It's really good. It's I'm really, out. Really good. out. I'm out. Um, so there's that. I just, you know, it's, oh, fudge. <laughs> rumours are rumours if 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 Chibnall and then Jodie have left sorry this is a great and that's one. happened we'll find out officially in time as for why but till then 
to turn this into some kind of weird like this is a great one and I think war and declare de- declaration a, of victory for the not my doctor lot it's like oh shut up I think it's a good one to end this topic on and we've got another email we should do okay but um, someone tweeted with the BBC breaking news uh, image uh, graphics yeah breaking. Chris Chibnall and Jodie Whittaker are set to leave Doctor Who at some point eventually, but not today because it was all lies and we wasted our whole morning on nothing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> That's about right. Um, okay. So, we got an email from George of, uh, of the Nerd Bibli podcast. Hey, Nerd Bible. Um, Go check them out, folks. And, he said, and he's got a few questions for us. He says, greetings, big damn lads. Also, the um, title of this email is Justice for Chibbers. Justice for Chibbers. Uh, oh, you're both doing well. That sounds like a famous five book or something. I know, right? Justice for Chibbers. Justice for Chibbers. Um, oh, you're both doing well. We seem to have synced up as we're about just about to record an episode of Nerd Bibbly Podcast. <laughs> I know it's Nerd Bible, but I like saying Nerd Bibbly. Um, spooky. Spooky. Scary skeletons and shivers down your spine. I don't know if these questions are going to be of any use to you, but here we go. All the questions are of use to us. We feed on the questions. Bring us flesh. The questions nourish our flesh. Um, why are... <laughs> There's why, so many songs about rainbows. Why are... Oh? Ain't No Mountain High Enough and I Want You Back included in the release of Awesome Mix Volume 1 when it's clearly Volume 2. Because <laughs> Awesome Mix Volume 1 in our universe is the soundtrack of the movie Guardians yes. of the Galaxy, not a copy of Awesome Mix Volume 1 from the movie Guardians of the Galaxy. But that's why. But true. There's also, it's also why um, Guardians Inferno is on Awesome Mix Volume 2 when it is not a track played by or featured within the... Quill diegetic sound. One could assume that Guardians Inferno does not exist in universe. And if it does, oh, I'd love to see that. (laughs) I'd love to see them explain that one. Uh, What song? Sardu Hasselfrau sang a song about my friends. What's happening? I don't understand. What songs would you like to see? The lyrics My Daddy Was a Planet always spoke to me for some reason. My Daddy Was a Planet. Sardu Hasselfrau. Sardu Hasselfrau. What songs would you like in Volume (laughs) 3? Ooh, right, so... Something by Queen. Yeah, there's got to be at least one Queen song on the soundtrack. Yeah. But I'll say this, uh, the 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 tone is now open, and I think they're going to go with some 90s soundtracks, specifically late 90s, early 2000s. Can you imagine? Because he's listening to a Zune now. Can you imagine? He's listening to a preloaded Zune. If he just gets really into grunge. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> I mean, we know we know that we know that there's some of the the aesthetics because again, like Cat uh, uh, Stevens wouldn't be on Awesome Mix Volume Two no. either because it was on the Zoom. Yeah, uh, but he knows the song, so Peter's obviously scrolling through those artists and looking for stuff he likes, and he's going to discover new stuff. I want some Spice Girls. I want at least one Spice Girls track in there because I think that would just be so fucking weird to see a fight scene or something or a space scene, uh, a, well, spa- a dog fight in space to like uh, wannabe. We can assume that there isn't <laughs> going to be an awesome mix volume three. Well, I, I think in, in universe because in universe, it's yeah. for, the, the one and two were from Peter's mum. Yeah, but unless ooh, but, unless he makes a playlist on the Zoom. That, well, well, that's what, I'm saying. <laughs> what if awesome mix volume three yeah. is Peter trying to rebuild his relationship with the now disappeared Gamora via music? <gasps> oh. So it's... I'm not saying... So it's just the Footloose soundtrack. Yes. (laughs) 
I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen, but I'm just saying that if I had that idea for an emotional core of a screenplay, yeah, for you know the the relationship between these two characters that have been developed over previous movies that's now been destroyed by the events of Infinity War and Endgame, I might go that way if I was writing yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, which I'm not. I'm definitely not writing Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. I almost, I almost don't want them to call it Volume Three, just because of so much has happened to the characters in between. Like, I think that trilogy, as as it were, doesn't make as much sense. Like, I feel you can watch the three Captain Americas and get the gist of what's happened between them. You can definitely watch the three Iron Men and get the gist of what's happened between them. The three um, Iron Men sounds like a different thing that I want to see. And you can watch the three Thors and get the gist of what's happened between Oh, I definitely want to see the three Thors. Whereas Guardians, the status quo is so different now yeah. for them that I almost feel like the third one needs to be called Guardians of the Galaxy something something instead. Mission Breakout. No. Guardians of the Galaxy. That already exists. Do Vegas. And it's fucking fabulous. I'd love that. Are you kidding me? Guardians of the Galaxy live in Las Vegas. Guardians of the Galaxy Road to Nowhere. Oh! Guardians of the Galaxy Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy In Space! Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> That's fucking great. <laughs> I was too busy thinking of mine to, to appreciate in the moment the majesty of that one. That one's superb. Oh my god, that one's amazing. Uh, <laughs> fucking uh, mic drop. Mic drop. No one will be better than that one. <laughs> so the final cut of Apocalypse Now hits cinemas for a limited release this week. What film is most improved by alternative cuts? And which film would you want to see an alternative cut of? So alternative cuts that already exist. Well, I that's mean, not that's not to say that it makes the movie good, but that it is definitely a vast improvement over the source material, right? Um, I guess Daredevil the director's cut. Yeah, it's yeah. so much better. It's still not great. It's still at most a three star movie, but it is a much better movie due to that additional fifty minutes of footage put back into it. The version of Aliens that everybody should watch is the special edition, not the theatrical cut. But everybody pretty much just watches the special edition now anyway. Of Aliens? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it seems to be like the first option on, on every home release. Because it's the better point. version. Yeah. Um, uh, Alien 3 as well. The, <laughs> the, see, the problem with the Alien 3 work print is that it does improve the film, but the quality of some of the segments is yeah. pretty bad. They've done, they've done the, 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 as good a job as they can for the Blu-ray release, the, but yeah, the, still... The, re, the re-edit is the calf as the xenomorph, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, oh yeah, because that, even in the most recent Blu-ray iteration, it, the, look good. it does not look good. No. The practical shots look great. The stop motion slash CGI thing does not. But it's a lot of the... A lot of it is just <clears> like... It's compositing. If oh. I want to just take the time to work on those shots, it'd be vastly... But I don't think they have the original elements. True. And also, a, True. a lot of the on-set sound for some of those sequences is all they have. Yeah, so oh, yeah, yeah, that is odd. I remember um, that. So um, that's your problem with it. It is a better version of the story mm. from a purely narrative standpoint, but it doesn't, on a technical standpoint, it doesn't hold up. I mentioned Event Horizon last week. Yeah. yeah. That would be, I think that would benefit from a cut, but that material <clears throat> doesn't exist. 
Um, Blade Runner, the final cut, and the director's cut are both enormous improvements over the theatrical cut, mm. and you should basically just never watch the theatrical cut. Yeah, I'm not even confused um, myself with that. I think we have the final cut, and we've left it at that. Yeah, like, I've got the final that, cut. that'll do. That'll do, pig. I used do. to. I had the director's cut on DVD, and then when the final cut came out on Blu-ray, I bought that version, and I've had that one since. Um, the director's cut version of Terminator Two is better than the theatrical. Mm. Um, the Richard Donner version of Superman Two isn't necessarily better. <laughs> But it's satisfying because yeah. you kind of get more of a sense of his story in in that version. So it's it's sort of a it's like a nice um, side dish. Just like you watch Superman two and then read a bit on the up on the production and his firing and all that shit, and then watch the yeah. Richard Donner cut and you can sort of it's 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 almost like a little it's a little hopeful. It'd be like if DC did cobble together what existed of Justice League pre the reshoots and everything, yeah. and then added some animated bits to fill it in or whatever and put that out and called that the Snyder Cut and shut everyone up once and for all. If they did that, then the people who really like Justice League but wanted to see that version could at least get a sense of what that version would have been like. And then they'd shut the fuck up and stop doing all these bus bus side and bus stop ads in the States and everything. Have you seen the, the Ultimate Cut of Watchmen? I've not watched the Ultimate Cut, but I, it's because I own uh, the director's cut, unquote, which I believe was just the home video release over here. Yeah. And I've got Curse the Black... Uh, Curse the Black Freighter? Tell the Black Freighter. Tell the Black Freighter. Tell Black Freighter separately. So I've never watched them cut together. Yeah. Is that all Is that all the Ultimate Cut is? Because I've only seen the theatrical cut. Yeah, the, the, the Ultimate Cut is the director's cut, Tell the Black Freighter, and a couple of extra scenes edited together into one, like, three hour and 55 Jesus, minute cut. that's got to be a slog. Yeah. Like all, all Zack Snyder stuff. Well, really. the thing is... Uh, the, one of the things I've gone backwards on recently, actually, is Lord of the Rings. Because I've got the extended cut backwards, do you mean you've, gone, you've decided you prefer the theatrical cuts? I don't know if I necessarily prefer the theatrical cuts, because I like all the expanded universe world building. Mm. But they're just so much... And maybe this is because I'm more used to the, the extended cuts. But they're just so much pacier. <laughs> they're so much fucking quicker. Yeah. And, um, and I think I... It depends. Which really well, depends adaptation. What mood adaptation in. is is the key word. Like, I think the theatrical cut of Lord of the Rings worked perfectly fine, and and I'd be honest, I do prefer the theatrical cuts. My wife prefers the extended cuts. See, I like. I, I want the, I mean, to the point where we own them both. They're over there, like yeah, you know. And, and, and I want to prefer sets, the but... extended cuts because I'm because the because of the purist in me. Yeah, but even the even the extended cuts are really pragmatic cut down adaptations of the source material. Yeah. But again, um, adaptation is the key word. Like it's, yeah. it's about adapting it into a different form, and and I think I think the the two the two hour forty five roughly versions of those three movies are they work perfectly well. Like well, well, most... well enough to have had the Oscar nods and and everything. Yeah. And, you know. I mean, I think you feel it most in Return of the King. Oh, absolutely. Return of the King is like an hour and a half longer mm. or something on the extended cut. It's ridiculous. It's mental. Um, anymore and all all they around. did all they did was cut the footage of them going Sam, Sam. the last bit they just put it in fast in normal speed oh <laughs> uh, no they slowed it down even more we're all going to fuck this hobbit we're going to take it in turns jerking his little hobbit ding dong aren't we Sam stop Stop it! Um, not, not, no more really spring to mind. Um, there are some movie experiences that work better uh, when not cut down um, from their original format, if that makes any sense. Like, what do you mean? Well, for example, um, uh, Grindhouse. 
works okay. works so much better as yeah. Grindhouse because I've only seen it as Death Proof and Death Planet Proof Terror. And Planet Terror. Um, whereas I've got I've, the Blu-ray set. I've got if you want to borrow it, let me know because the Blu-ray set I've got is, is Grindhouse and it's 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 Planet Terror and and and, and uh, Death Proof, but presented that way, complete with all the shorts, all the things, and you have the option to just watch it. Like, I think you watch it up to the end of the middle of the ads, yeah, and then you switch discs. But it, it's it's meant to be watched together as it was theatrically released. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it is a lot more enjoyable that way. Do you think uh, we're ever going to get the uh, the actual combined cut of Kill Bill? He toured it, didn't he? I think he, he did. did. He toured it around the States for a while. Um, and it also Tarantino's been saying that his 10th movie is going to be his last. It's fucking open. For a while. I like a lot of his work, but at the same time I'm like, yes, please. Please yeah. stop now. Because he's, he's not doing himself any favours. We've both been busy, but we've also both not made the time to, see to go and see once upon a time. Which, which, I would which like to, to me, see it. Which to me, but it says a lot, that. But at the same time, I didn't we, make the we, time to go and see Midsommar. We have Midsommar the, we really have the extra excuse of trying to get a review out for the YouTube channel, and we still didn't rush to see it. Yeah, but this last month has been pretty fucking crazy for both of us, I think. Um, it's been... We're going to be working on it harder in the mm. next couple of weeks as we launch some bits and pieces. Yeah. But, News soon, folks. News soon. Yeah, but I think we've kind of... Both been focusing on other on like getting our lives sorted basically yeah. <laughs> over the last couple of weeks. So we like I've not seen Midsummer. I've not seen uh, once upon a time in Hollywood. You know I, I got completely skipped Men in Black International. You know I did weirdly after the first couple of reviews. It just made me go. Uh, you know what? It's it's everything I'm I'm expecting it yeah. to be, and that everything I was hoping it wouldn't be. So I have no urge to go and spend that time watching it. Yeah. Um, which I suppose is a benefit of how we normally do stuff. Of we we try and see it on release. Yes, we could probably fit in a couple more midnight ones now, couldn't we? Definitely. It's like your 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 shift life being a bit different now. Yeah, we could, we could probably rack up a couple more midnight screenings as the year gets into the bigger blockbuster. I Halloween. But um, um, yeah, just it's not been a not been an urge to go to the motion pictures recently. No. Although I got I got an invite into a, I got an invite to a press screen yeah. this weekend. I couldn't go in the end. Um, oh, just again, just life, and I was like, "Are you uh, the able only thing, to the only... share what the press I, yeah, I can was say, for? Yeah, it was it was for Ugly Dolls, the movie. Uh, I got invited to the the Manchester press screening. I was like, I mean, <laughs> I'm very appreciative of being reached because I was I'm I was contacted s- through Spotlight. So this 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 events and press um, group, uh, like. So, sort out my spotlight page as my official agent contact to ask me if I'd like to attend. And I was like, I'm flattered. Um, but, and they do, this is a common practice. Like, cause for those who don't know, I, I, I've presented for and, and worked with a CBBC channel for over the years. Who, who is listening to this show who doesn't know that? I can't, you know, if you didn't know that, please email in and let us know because I'd be intrigued to know if we've got to the point now yeah. where, like, my loose connection to media prior to this podcast has started to bring people in. Because um, I'm curious. Uh, BigDumbContact.gmail.com But, um... Us. But, yeah, it's... it's it, I'm flattered, because uh, I've been invited to the screenings before, and a lot of them have been in London, where it's like, I can't... I'm in Manchester currently, I'm like, I can't get down to London to go and watch Planes, Fire and Rescue. <laughs> And I get it, they, they, they invite people who are connected to kids' entertainment. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because then when they show... Because these, these, these films never really have massive premieres, the smaller the smaller budget kids' films. 
they they have events. They have screening events. They usually take place during the day. Yeah. And it's like celebrity guests. And that word feels dirty when I'm just using it to describe what I'm, the story I'm trying to tell. But like celebrity guests and uh, general audiences who get a special invite and things like that. And the yes. idea being it's like, hey, let's come along. We'll do a bit of press. There'll be some people who your kids recognise here and stuff and they'll talk about the film. That's great for our press and this and that and blah, blah, blah. I've not actively been in many CBBC things for a while. Um, the thing that I'm currently still in that they show is all over the place Europe and all over the place Asia, which is getting BBC Two screenings at the minute. Yeah. So, unless they just like look to that and try to contact every presenter attached to that, <laughs> it's someone who obviously must just be aware of me as a CBBC presenter. Maybe they're a parent or, or something, do you know what I mean? Or like, oh, uh, Chris, we'll get don't him. Parents don't spend any, any attention to what media their children are consuming. No, but that's what I'm saying. I think it was somebody <laughs> who was paying attention three or four years ago. Oh, okay, yeah, all right. Because I'm like, I, I, huh? What do you, huh? Okay. Very flat. And I made sure to reply with like, I don't think I'm going to be available for it, but thank you so much for asking and considering me. If you need help with um, junket or press stuff in the future, give me a shout. Because, like, I can, I can do that. I'm trained at interviewing people, and I know how to do all that shit. Like, if you want me to help out with that side of it, great. More than happy to do so. Paid work, obviously. But, you know, at the same time, like... More than happy to do more, that. More than happy to do that, Christopher. Christopher, more than happy to do that. Christine is my name. Uh, so, you know, fine. But it was just one of those where I was like, I, huh. Ugly dolls. <laughs> Ugly dolls. Huh. And then I realised two movies came out this past week that are basically the same thing. Ugly Dolls and Playmobil the movie. Two oh, to- two toy God, fr- Playmobil! Two toy franchises putting movies out. Playmobil! The movie! Do you know who's one of the voices in that? Who's been doing most of the press for it? Who? Daniel Radcliffe. Nah. He's been showing up on Radio 1. Nah. On, on um, American chat shows, on a lot of British press especially. I was like, oh, why is there a load of Daniel Radcliffe suggestions? Christopher, you are yanking my fucking chain, boy. In each of them, he's like, I'm Daniel Radcliffe from playing Bill the Movie, and with this, that, and the other, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, oh, okay. And then I look at all the playing Bill the Movie press, and they don't mention that anywhere. So it almost feels like they've gone, fuck, we don't have that much of a buzz going on. I mean, they we should, we should probably put one of our most recognisable stars out there to do some press. Daniel, are you free this week? Right, if we give you this, whatever, this, that, and the other... Could you do four days of press to be fair, in they London? They barely and stuff? mentioned Playmobil the movie. It's, it's out now. It's out now. <laughs> As of this podcast, it is out now. Um, what a weird thought. Before we move on to the final question, this email. Any more movies you want to see an alternative cut of? Ooh, um, that is a very good question. Are there any that you know of? Whether like there was turmoil shit? I would. I would. Out of total morbid curiosity, I would like to see. A cut of Fant Four Stick, yeah, the 2015 Fantastic Four before the reshoots, because I I want to know, I want to know how disastrous it was that they thought we need to fix this, yeah. and still thought that the disastrous version they put out was an improvement. I want, yeah, I want, I want to see... see how bad the let's release a less worse but still bad version was. Yeah, I want to see the Josh Trank's Fantastic Four that has a second act. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see uh, the the presumably longer version that exists of the Idris Elba, Matthew McConaughey, Dark Tower movie because that movie was cut to the fucking bone. Hour and 40, wasn't it, yeah. in the end? Ba- it was barely 90 minutes. God. Like. So I want to know what else was in there. 
Um, Excellent cast, terrible movie. Yeah. Uh, other stuff. Other I remember you just stuff. laughing as soon as the end credits rolled. You like, just started laughing. It was, just, it was so <laughs> fucking dire. I'm gonna have to do a video on it at some point. <laughs> I think one of the one oh of the god big projects I want to do is I want to do uh, something King. with all the King adaptations. But that's such a big undertaking. I don't know what form it's gonna take yet. Um, and other people have done similar stuff. Oh, uh, maybe, maybe as a. A minor yeah. audio essay exclusive of some kind. I... Oh, there's 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 a woman and a dog. Um... <laughs> woman and a dog. Woman and a dog. Woman and a dog. Salute. Um, Rogue One. Oh shit! Yeah, I'd be interested to see the cut of Rogue One that Gareth Edwards was making again before yeah. we tweaked it. Because you don't really think about directors' cuts of the Star Wars movies. Or the or the MCU movies for that matter. Mm. Mostly because they're they're very controlled to a, to a point. Yeah, um, and I don't think the early MCU like there was obviously more conflict with the earlier MCU, but it was never during the productions. From what we know, it always seemed to be before yeah. the production began, so they would then change it. I don't feel like there's a lot of stuff on the cutting room floor for those movies. No, and if there is, it's stuff that we see as deleted scenes on yeah. on the Blu-rays, but. But yeah, no, Star Wars Rogue One, like that was heavily altered in its reshoot to the point where I can't remember the name of the guy who came in to finish it. Yeah, someone else directed it. But um, he just he quite openly shits all over Gareth Edwards' work on that production. Yeah, which sucks. Like, it was like, a shit show. Gareth Edwards I is came a, in and I rescued it. Gareth Edwards is a very capable filmmaker. So I it's, think it's, it, but, but something happened there. Something went what. on. Yeah. So that'd be so, that'd be an interesting one to see. Again, a lot of these aren't because we think it'd be improvements. I think it's more just out of curiosity, yeah. based on the history. Yeah, of the I don't think anything could make the Josh Trank Fantastic Four a good movie, but giving oh, it a second act would at least make it more of a structured narrative. Give it a second. Oh, do you know what? This is relevant to the King thing and, and what you've been watching recently. Is it? I would like to. I would like. Who owns um, Stanley Kubrick's The Shining? Probably the studio. Paramount Warners is it Warners? I can't remember. Whoever it is, let's let's just randomly top our heads. Let's say it's let's say it's Paramount. Yeah, just an example. Yeah, uh, I would like Paramount to go. Hi, King. We're going to give you this budget. And uh, this, Stephen, and Stephen, this... can you hear me? This is this is Paramount. Yes, I can hear you, Paramount Pandango. <laughs> We're going to give you this budget, like not a lot, yeah. but this budget and this amount of time in an editing room. Yeah, we want you to take all the footage that exists. And cut a film that you are happy with from that. It's going to be literally impossible. It's going to be tough because Stephen King very vocally is the 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 reverse universe version of a fan of Kubrick's. Well, I mean, of the he Shining. likes the movie as a movie, but he doesn't like it as an adaptation of The Shining. And I think that is... Is there enough material there that he could then well, hack together what as close to what he would be happy with? Is what I mean, I'm I think that's about. also something we've got into before of like... An, an adaptation... Deviate, being a bad adaptation of something does not make something a bad film. Just the same way that being a good adaptation of something does not make something a good film. Yeah. Yeah. Like The like, Shining is a terrible adaptation of the original book. It's not faithful at all, even down to the themes. Mm. But it's an excellent it's a movie. Fucking excellent film. Yeah, 
Ready Player One is as palatable version as it can be, like connection to The Shining, loosely. Yes. But Ready Player One is as palatable version as it can be for its cinematic version, really. Um, it's definitely an improvement on the source material. Yes. Because it removes itself from the source material just enough to get away with clearly coming from it, but not using it as its guide. Yeah. Uh, it's still not great, but it's no. that whole thing of they take massive compromises and make big changes to make this work for this medium. Um, that's what I'm saying. Like Stephen King had a bash, didn't he? He got to write the, the screenplay for the TV miniseries. Which And is... deliver what he considered a better on-screen adaptation of his book. It is absolutely a more faithful adaptation of The Shining. It is also Drek. Yeah. It's not good. Chairman Drek? Chairman. Not Chairman Drek. No. Just plain old feckin' Drek. Dross and indeed cack. It's just... Drack. Pants. Eula. Stephen Webber's good in it, though. Um, <laughs> finally, this yeah. one from George, I have begun to collect comics. Don't do that. I have a few issues Put of... Put it out of pocket. I have a few issues of Namor, Superior Spider-Man, and Doctor Strang. What are your favourite runs that you'd recommend to a newbie? Once again, the pleasure was all yours, and I hope to hear from you soon. <laughs> Goodbye, my dears, George. Ooh, we've not um, done this one in a while. We've not we? done this one in a while. We have touched on this before, but it's always nice to do a, a quick refresh for beginners, uh, for newbies. Don't worry about. It. I mean, you've jumped on with Superior Spider-Man, so you've jumped on like a third of the way through, um, or like a quarter of the way through um, Dan Slot's so, solo. He's basically got a four-act run, run, hasn't it? Yeah, big time through to. It's big time. Dying Wish. Superior. Superior. Um, uh, Spider Verse. Worldwide. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. That's yeah. That's yeah. Well, there's there's bit, little bits and pieces, but that's that is. Those like, are the big chunks of his chunks. Run. Yeah. Um, Damn, that's a really good way to round it up. And, and if you want a pro, if you want a fifth one, prequel to all that kind of because he writes chunks of what leads up to big time oh yeah I'm, I mean, I'm reading brand new day volume one right now and i most forgot of, that the first arc is completely written by dan most of brand new day is worth revisiting i think um but yeah uh <laughs> so that page last night where he smashes through the skylight and he's just chundering on about like how he could hook them up with a good skylight salesman <laughs> he's, he's delivering it like it's an infomercial as he's plummeting through all these shards of glass toward the guys he's gonna beat up That's like this so is great this is great um it's like the right level of obnoxious. It's like, this is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I also forgot how good the jackpot mystery was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I completely forgot about jackpot. Yeah. That's a character that I'm going to have to try and figure, remember where her miniseries, which I do own as a trade, fits in. Because I'm, I'm now going to have to do that thing where I'm like, I'm reading it in a block. But every now and again, I'm going to have to stop. Go to the little miniseries yeah. bit and be like, right, does that happen here? I, I guess so. It's a different jackpot though, isn't it? Uh, yes, yes. Because it's, it's Secret it's Invasion. It's after she's, her identity is revealed. But yeah. obviously they spend so much time making you, the reader, go, I know who this is, I know what's happening. And then they go, and they fucking No, go. you don't. <laughs> um, I'm really into the Immortal Hulk at the moment. I think that's yeah. well worth reading. That's just crossed over with FF, hasn't um, it? Just... Um, <clears throat> the thing, but, the thing, and the immortal Hulk going toe to toe. You don't need a ton of uh, back knowledge of what's going on in the Marvel universe at the moment to read it, but it can't hurt. But they do a good job of onboarding you with what the status quo is. The great thing ba- is if you're buying Banner was dead, but the Hulk didn't want to allow that. Yeah, that's your basics. If if you are <laughs> if you're collecting 
uh, Marvel in floppies <laughs> or digital singles. Oh. And this happens in digital trades as well and in trades just to a lesser degree. All, each issue comes to the recap page. So you can more or less pick up any issue it goes, alright, this is what's been happening then jump in. Um, but if, if you've been buying single issues you'll know that. Um, so Immortal Hulk's really, really good. Best mm-hmm. Hulk run in years. Um, I'm not sure what Doctor Strange you are reading, but if it's if you're not reading the if you or you've not read the Jason Aaron, um, Chris Bacallo, the Oath uh, run, is that from that run or is that uh, no that no the Oath is is Brian K Vaughan and ah. uh, Mark Holt Martin. Um, Oh, oh! And Jason Aaron started with Marvel. Um, all new Marvel now. All new post, Marvel now. It's the first post Secret Wars one. Um, Wait, it's Chris Bacallo on the art. He is for most of it, yeah. Oh, I can picture the cover to the first issue. Yes, other Ooh. artists tagging. Mm. But yeah, yeah, that's good, and it also sets up the current status quo of magic in the Marvel universe. Um, slightly nerfed to help things. Slightly be, to help things be easier. Because for for years that was the justification that um, was Joe Casada was the editor in chief at the time. That was the justification he he gave for not having like a Doctor Strange ongoing, which is like yeah we just haven't worked out how Marvel how magic works really, so we don't want to get into it until we got a proper rule set for how everything works. <laughs> um, but all that stuff that happened before this, just ignore it. Pretend it yeah, never happened. Kind yeah. of. I mean, it did, but like we won't touch on it again for a while. Because. Um, yeah, there was... The Oath is a great standalone story. I did the video on it and everything. Mm. Um, and that's a great standalone Doctor Strange story that kind of fits anywhere within continuity. You don't have to worry about that, which is nice. Um, what else? The current Nick Spencer Spider-Man's pretty good. Yeah, I'm digging that. I'm um, volumes in now. Uh, feels like, it, feels like a, it feels like a season of television. Because there is an overarching big bad that's yet to be a main player in it, and yeah, but we're seeing it from the build up and everything. It sort of, it sort of feels like a, a an American TV season at the yes. moment, which I'm digging. Um, uh, Peter Parker, the Spectac- is it Peter Parker the Spectacular Spider Man? Yeah, that's also pretty Richard fun. Zdarsky. Um, that's that's wacky, but still deals with some heavier stuff. The time travel story in particular is quite heavy, and it's like, ooh, sugar. Um, if you want to get it's into... depressing when you start to think about it. If you want to get into the ground floor of a long storyline that I still haven't finished, but it's gonna, it's awesome. Um, get the first couple of volumes of Jason Aaron's Thor: God of Thunder, mm. and then go from there. That will take you from Thor: God of Thunder through the female Thor stuff, mm. and then back into current Thor. See, I'd go, even further, I'd go even, I'd go even further back because, like, my jump, my, my, my jumping on point yeah. four was was set by yourself like six, seven, maybe more years back, and that JMS Thor is the JMS glorious. Thor is excellent. It's glorious, and also it's a nice branch because if you're looking to read some of that, you're not confident we're doing it now, but you're up for expanding as you go. JMS Thor is a great place to start because once Kieran Gillen takes over, you then have a branching path eventually. That where goes you into could, Journey into Mystery. You yeah. can go into Journey into Mystery, which, which is, is self, which is really good. Which itself then goes into uh, carries on, but the main character of Journey into Mystery spins off into Young Avengers, which yeah. is again an excellent um, movie. Essentially, it's a movie. Yeah. It's three three trade paperback volumes, and it's excellent. Listen, but also Thor see... carries on into Fraction, who 
it's a little bit touch and go as he starts, but then it gets better, yeah. and then that leads to Jason Aaron, and you can you can plow. If you see Kieran Gillen, Thor is amazing as a writer. Yeah, on a comic, pick it up, pick it up. Yeah, because he's fucking fabulous. Kieran Gillen is, and amazing. he's not done a lot of big, big two work. Well, he's not really done much DC work anyway, if any. But he's not really done much Marvel work in recent years. But what he has done has been mm. spectacular. He took over the. Um, he took over the main Star Wars book after Jason Aaron stepped away from it. Yes, and I think yeah. he's just coming off that now. Or his last arc just being published. Did Did Kieran write Darth Vader? The from first Darth one? Vader one, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's been two Darth Vader series: Darth Vader, which is twenty four or twenty five issues. It's a couple of years. Um, so, so past Vader down. Vader down's at like yes. the midpoint. Yeah, I think that's as far as I got in terms of reading them. Yes, Vader down, uh, and that's Kieran Gillen. Mm-hmm. Um, that was great after that that's how you do Badass Vader without overdoing it it was really good it was so cool um, and then after we've, that we've set did... between New Open Empire we've dra- we've downed him in in space he is trapped on a planetoid we are sending everything we can to get yeah. rid of the right hand of the Empire and it goes about as successfully as you'd imagine as it would for the rebels and, yeah. and, and everyone else but it, it's it, it, it makes it a believable fight he's not an invincible god but he's clearly the most experienced person at this table yeah and it's it's oh it's so good Vader Down is great and um and those are those ones where on the shelf it's easier to put them in order because I've just basically got like Star Wars Volume 1 Vader Volume 1 yeah Star Wars Volume 2 Vader Volume 2 Vader Down Star Wars Volume 3 and it's just easier to follow that way because they do they do run concurrently with each other yeah they don't really they kind of they don't really interact after Vader Down yeah which is fine but if you're going to binge it it's easier to go back because you can just read through them all especially because the last panel of the first arc of Star Wars is immediately picked up in the first panel of Vader Down it's Fett going to uh, oh tell it by saying like I've got a name Skywalker and Vader doesn't move and he's like do with that what you will like, I'm expecting to be paid whenever he leaves and you just see like the you see his hand sort of shaking and, and the, the glass the, starting to shatter yeah. and then that panel is picked up again like a previously on Star Wars kind yeah. of thing at the start of Vader and you see like the glass full you, on you basically see that moment from, from Vader's perspective. perspective and Fett's perspective in different issues which is great oh um, so good after oh. that first Darth Vader <laughs> series Charles Sewell Mm-hmm. did a second Vader series which in I've seen subtitled as Vader Dark Lord of the Sith and I've seen just as Darth Vader so depends on what it's collected it as I'd be, I'd, be, I'd be a trade but yeah. keep a and lower price version two years later kind and of guy that up. but that mostly takes place between episode three and A New Hope oh so pre so Darth Vader more okay. um, of like early Darth Vader <clears throat> and it goes into stuff like him getting his first Sith lightsaber, the yeah. castle that you see in Rogue One, and why he has that, and, and how it, he comes And they to confirm that. that it's on Mustafar, don't they? Yeah. Well, that's in it's it's in thingy. It's in. Uh, I don't think I don't think the title comes up. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the subtitle comes up. Oh shit! Rogue One's one of the is is kind of unique in in most of Star Wars, where it does have subtitles coming up telling you where you are. Holy shit! Um, oh, where it be? Oh, this is the so, fifth desert planet. Yeah, that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, DC is a weird one. Because their rebirth stuff is simultaneously a good jumping on point and also very continuity heavy. Because a lot of it is about, oh, the continuity is different. 
people are mixed on the Tom King Batman run. I like it. You're not so keen. Yeah, um, not, not the, on it. the stuff in it that I really like, and then the stuff I don't like, I really don't like. So it, it was too much of a mix for me to carry yes. on. Uh, the Rebirth Superman stuff is really good. Yes. Yeah, I read a few um, issues of that. But no, I'm not really read it since Bendis has taken over. Mm. Um, so I'd have to look into that. Again, that's a director's cut point of view. I'm intrigued to read what Bendis is doing with those characters. Yeah. Just because I'm like, this is a sandbox he's never been allowed to play in before. I from wonder what, what he'd do with them. From what I've seen, how much you like it is entirely dependent on how much you like Bendis. Because it's very Bendis. I do quite like him. Wait, if, if I'm weighing it up, I do quite like everyone him. Everyone kind of sounds the same and he doesn't pay any attention to continuity. And just throws everything out. That's why, to me, his seminal work is still Ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah, because he, he didn't, gets to he didn't build everything to from the ground pay up. Pay attention yeah. to continuity. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a good one. You just get get Ultimate Spider-Man. Ultimate Spider-Man, and start from the top again, because you can jump on from Peter's. You can jump on from Ultimate Comics Presents Spider-Man, which is yeah. Peter's second like run, or you could jump on from Miles. But that journey is so easy to follow. Just start at the beginning. Yeah, Ultimate Spider-Man Volume One. 2000 jump on board start reading read the hip modern new characterizations for 2000 um <laughs> but a lot of it still plays now he's like a, a web of... designer yeah get it um, also they do a better clone saga than any other version has ever well ended. not difficult really but good <laughs> um <clears throat> and the symbiotes so... are handled with actual threat and and they're not just isn't this cool let's do more of it it's like when they appear it's scary yeah and it's a big yeah. deal it's whenever the goblin appears in it it's a big deal it's like shit's going to go down now that osborne is involved absolutely um, um good standalone dc stories superman birthright all-star batman, superman all-star superman not All-Star Batman and Robin the Bob. No. No, it's very bad. Not to be confused with the later All-Star Batman and Robin, which I'm sure is The Scott good. Snyder one, which is pretty good. Yeah. All-Star. It's just All-Star Batman. It's weird that... Oh, good. Because um, it's weird that they picked that title. I was like, really, guys? Yeah, it's basically like an... <clears throat> it's sort of like an anthology book that picks up on some of the threads from Scott Snyder's run while we're in alongside Tom King's run. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, Superman Earth 1. Any of the Earth 1 books. No. No. Wonder Woman Earth 1 is garbage. Okay, not Wonder Woman Earth 1. It's disappointing because <laughs> Grant Morrison. It's beautiful visually. It's so well illustrated. But Grant kind of focuses on the wrong thing. Yeah. Especially because he pitched what he would do with it on Fat Man on Batman a few years prior. And then only sort of does that in Ooh, the actual thing. Sorry, and the, the proposed version is so much better and so much more well thought out. Um, As it stands, it's just, an, it's just a, a tribute to... Um, sexual confidence yes. well that's it and because it is a largely female cast it feels very one-sided and it's sort of yeah. like oh this is odd like that this is really see. odd whereas his original pitch on fat man on batman was uh steve trevor arrives on the island he's our point of view character and immediately is put on trial by the amazons for on behalf of man yeah and it's like okay that's kind of cool do you know what i mean because it was about exploring yeah. Exploring relationships, exploring sexuality, exploring what the different genders and different sex means to people, and and you know what I mean, sort of uh, being a little bit kitsch, sitcommy with mean, it a little, but at the same time, like actually delving into those themes. And instead, that's just sort of part of it, and it's more look at these girls getting kind of kinky with each other, and they're great. It's like, <laughs> yeah, that's great, but it almost feels like this is all the book is providing. Yeah, 
And that's a bit disappointing in a way. There's there's a place for sexuality within storytelling and it's not in your chance to tell a really unique one-off no, Wonder Woman story. No, it, it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't seem <clears throat> like it would be. The um, film does a better job of it. That one yes, conversation on the boat on the, is yeah. miles better. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, for non-superhero, non-big-two stuff, um, Hellboy. Yeah. And everything Hellboy-related, BPID, Lobster Johnson. On paper. Everything. Everything Hellboy-related on paper. Yes, everything Hellboy-related <laughs> on paper. Um... <laughs> Avoid the new movie like a plague. Phonogram and Wicked in the Divine because Kieran Gillen. Saga. Mm-hmm. The Image Comics. Yeah. Brian K. Vaughan, Staples. Saga's down strong. Uh... The Terry Pratchett Discord adaptations are actually pretty good. I've been rereading them. Lately. Yeah, The Mort is, is good. Uh, Guards, Guards. I've not read any of the others. Uh, which others are there? Not too many, actually. I've got a third one in my book, and I'm forgetting which one it is. So I've got hardcover with them in. Um, if you can get hold of the Dark Horse Run of the Mask, which is published in um, uh, omnibuses, yeah, Dark two, Horse. two omnibuses, that is superb. If you like horror comics, if you like horror comics and really interesting, yeah, really interesting artists like fucking around with with yeah. what could be done on the page, pick up the mask. Uh, leave your love or knowledge or both of the 90s movie at the door it's very different it's very different but that's kind of why it's brilliant because it gives you the alternative of here's the you know the family friendly cool creepy comedy movie version yeah here's what it is if it was a horror and it works so well because of that um and we have it to thank for that film version even existing yes because they wanted um, to they wanted to do a new Freddy Krueger like franchise and they picked the mask and then it got turned into a comedy instead Dark Horse have done some interesting licensed stuff over the years including a lot of Star Wars stuff which is now non-canon and a lot still of it good. have republished it's mixed um, there's they've, they've also had the Alien and Predator licenses forever yeah. and were the people who first did the Alien vs Predator thing mm. um, but I find it hard to recommend either of those uh, franchises because they're so mixed. Mm. Um, they did a thing from a, they did a thing comic as the thing from another world, mm. but they did a, following on from the film. following on from yeah. the film. They were interesting. Yeah, I've read a couple issues because <laughs> isn't there one where it's just like it's just set in a city, but they it's don't explore like, the, they don't explore the full potential of what danger. No, it's that set comes. in like a small port town. That's it. Yes, because there's loads of scenes on I the think fucking pier. I think it's the last one, and isn't. Is this one of those where, again, they bring in a character who isn't a character from the original but is related to them? Or is it meant to be... No, it's McCready. It is McCready. And, and Child oh. pops up in it as well. God. I remember what happens to him. Oh, God. But yeah. just Some, some things are best left unexplored. That being said, Dynamite, uh, Army of Darkness, tongue-in-cheek horror action books. Yes. A lot of fun. Uh, varying degrees of quality. Some of them are just like, the fuck did I just read? And some of them are like, this is <laughs> stone cold. fuck is this? This is stone cold, brilliant, and feels like a Raimi movie put to paper. So it's, yeah. it's you're going to have to pick. Um, Hack Slash by Tim Seeley. Uh, oh yeah, of course I hear Hack Slash is real good. Hack Slash is great. It's, who 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 slashes the slashers is the sort of tongue-in-cheek to- tagline at oh one point. Oh my days. Like it's about Cassie Hack and Vlad, her very mute, uh, tall, almost zombie-esque gas mask-wearing companion, tracking down slasher killers and killing them. 
and it's it's so much fun. When you and, put it like that, it sounds wonderful. And because it's dynamite and boom and stuff like all working together, yeah. there are franchise crossovers from time to time set within the canon of their books. That's quite good. Um, so if you ever want to know uh, what happens to uh, Ashley Williams when the Book of the Dead is utilised by a serial killer and how that crosses oh. over with the story of Hack Slash, then you've got, oh. there's an answer to that. If you want to know... Who picked up those hacked up pieces of Chucky's body from the hospital room in Cedar Chucky and what happened next? There's a hack slash story for that. Um, There's an app for that. And they're all really well written and they're all proper like, oh, like you will, your asshole will pucker through some of these issues. It's great. And there's a stage version uh, that was up briefly from a small theatre company that Uh? has like a a bio and interviews about it in one of the omnibuses. Because obviously the comic book guys were like, we want to... We want to memorialise well, this been, in some way. Let's let's do a get feature it made, on it. I think for a while in, as a, a film. As a, as a, as a it worked better as a show. Yeah, it worked better as a show because they're doing a lock and key. Are they? Um, yeah, it's, it, they've had a pilot. I don't know if they've filmed the series yet, but they are doing lock and key. It got it got a series. It's a fuke. Okay, yeah. Which I've only read the first volume of, but I liked what I read because that's written by Joe Hill, who is Stephen King's son, who also a horror novelist in his own right. To the point where not only does he go into Joe Hill, but it was only after he was already an established horror novelist that people put two and two together. Mm. I was like, oh shit, he actually really looks a lot like Stephen King in the 70s. Oh! Fisher's boy! Because <laughs> he didn't put it in his bios or anything. Um, There's a lot of that, you know. There's yeah. a lot of that going around where like prominent creators of a certain age it's suddenly becoming clear that their kids are doing stuff. Mel Brooks's son is like a prominent um, writer of, of of the expanded world of Minecraft. Really? Yeah, like and has like New York Times bestseller books in the children's and family categories. That's. It's like, wait, what? Okay. It's like, again, it's that old thing of like they obviously want to be creative, but they they don't want to sort of necessarily be identified as the son of thingy. Yeah. So they yeah, go yeah. off and do their own thing, and then later on, the parents are like, "Oh, by the way, my son's done this. Like, I'm looking at this. And you're like, oh shit, oh that's really cool." I like Mark Hamill's son Nathan is like a prominent video games programmer and, and journalist and something like that. Oh, it's like, cool. oh fuck. Um, it's also, it's also when you find out the connections, you go, oh shit, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, it's also just hilarious to think that Mel Brooks has had at least well, one um, conversation about Minecraft. <laughs> what do you call it? Uh, Denzel Washington's son was the lead in uh, <laughs> in Black Clansman. Really? That was him. Uh, yeah. What's his first name now? Um, I got a little screenplay for that, by the way. Have I told you? Yes. Friend, friend of mine got a bunch of screeners uh, scripts related to screeners for a category, and once he'd done with the thing, he was like, "Do you want them?" And I was like, "What have you got?" And he listed them, and I was like, "Oh." So I took Black Klansman and A Quiet Place. Oh, nice. Because I was determined to read A Quiet Place's screenplay. And be like, right, how? How? <laughs> how do you write this? Do you write it down to every fine detail? Do you leave it vague and just convey the mood? How do you do it? Um, so yeah. Yes, John John David Washington. Damn. Plays Ron Stallworth in, in Black Klansman. Um, also appeared in Of Monsters and Men, The Old One and the Gun, uh, Love Beats Rhymes. Love Never Dies. As a boy, it. as a younger man, appeared in Malcolm X, of course. Yeah, of course. Of course. Um, and uh, Devil in a Blue Dress. So, yeah. He's also, he's also done a bunch of producing as well. He's a co-producer on the Book of Eli. Active Boys. With active, active boys and active toys. What? 
Um, <laughs> it's even mean. So I think that's going to call it for this week. Yeah. For an episode with no topics, we were on remarkably long. Yeah. Um, but that's what we do. So thank we you for your email. Shit. Thank you very much. Check out Nerd Bible Podcast, guys. Nerd Bible. Have a little look for it. So. Pasty Sheep, isn't it? Pasty Sheep is your, your your team, guys? Yes, Pasty Sheep. Pasty Sheep. Go check out Pasty Sheep. Yeah. Is it Pasty Burgers? Sheep or Pasty Sheep? Uh, P-A-S-T-Y. Could be either. Could be either indeed. Pasty or Pasty. Tell us, John. Tell us, folks. Check out Nerd Bible. And Bro, if you want to get in touch with the show. this crazy thing. <laughs> you can tweet us at BigDamnCast. You can check us out at twitch.tv slash BigDamnStream. Please do. And not only that, you dirty munchkins, you can email in BigDamnContact at gmail.com. Fuck yeah! Um... In fact, if you're Chris Chibnall, we encourage you to email in as soon as possible. Just let us know that you're alive, Chris. Yeah, just just send throw throw throws a bone, Chris. Throws a bone. <gasps> and I'm mm. Mm. got out to say no. Yeah, I'm 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 talked out. Music's playing. It's fine. <laughs> We're done. We're done at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah.